Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And here we are. Again, we're excited today because it is the day that we're going to be speaking to a large group of people out at Thanksgiving Point about the Entitlement Trap and Families. It's a wonderful um, group that organized by the First Lady, Jeanette Herbert. We're really excited to be there. We really we like Governor Herbert and his wife, Jeanette, and they really are family-oriented people. Those of you listening in distant locations, we're talking about the governor of Utah and his wife, Jeanette, who hosts every year a a family called Uplift, a conference called Uplift Families. And uh, Jeanette's just made it her cause to try to do all she can to help parents to do a good job with their families because she knows, as we do, that the family is the basic institution of society. So we're going to give the keynote. They've asked us to talk on the entitlement trap, which is, of course, the name of one of our books, but it's also the name of the biggest parenting problem in America kids get into this entitlement trap and they and the reason we call it a trap is because once it grabs onto you it's pretty darn hard to get out of it once once a child develops an attitude of hey I deserve to have whatever I want right now without having to wait for it or work for it and I deserve everything my friends have and and uh, I'm entitled to those things and and you know it's 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 tough because that's an attitude that that robs a child of motivation of initiative of gratitude of feeling like he's part of a team i mean it's a it's a bad thing Linda. so bad so bad it is really boy you're making that sound pretty dark and actually um, we are going to start with some statistics that are pretty dark about the family in general. It is so scary what's happening to the family. I think we kind of live in a bubble here where we are in the Intermountain West um, and all, all across America in a lot of cases um, because um, those of, who have, of us who are middle class or, or beyond, it really is. Um, hard to realize what is happening in the world because we have basically good families. Everybody has problems, but um, it really is a very scary situation. Well, and before we jump into what we're going to be doing, we should say we've been on the road a little bit this last week. It's been an interesting week for us. We we spent part of the week up at uh, a beautiful resort up in Heber City, Utah, up in the gorgeous little valley there and at a, at a place called Zermatt named after the beautiful Switzerland town and we were taping and working on creating some videos to help grandparents basically just to show you we got a little breadth in our lives and and we're going to be excited to uh, this is our goal we've shared this with you listeners before our goal is to cut back on our travel we, we've, we've sometimes given 100 speeches in a year and traveled two-thirds of the time. And that's, if that sounds romantic to you, it's because you haven't traveled that much. <laughs> Actually, I love it. I've learned so much. But, wow, we did too much last year. We really are going to try and cut back a little bit because we need to 
take care of business here at home too. But it really is so amazing, um, the experience we've had in doing this. And it's so funny that you'd mentioned Zermatt right now because we have a son and daughter-in-law who live in New York City and their two kids who are actually at Zermatt. <laughs> they're they're in visiting the, they're another in of our sons who lives in, who lives in, uh, in Zurich, near Zurich in, in a little town called Siebenen. And they're having a great time together as brothers and 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 uh, with their wives and their kids. And uh, but yeah, it is kind of a funny connection that this resort where we're going to be doing uh, where we're going to try to implement our strategy to stop traveling as much and have people come to us rather than us go to them. And it's called Zermatt too. And the only, re- only reason I mention it is that we always like to start off with what we've been doing during the week and. Sort of as a preview to you, because in the weeks ahead, we're going to be able to pull some of the things we're learning in our speaking at Zermatt and pull them onto this radio show. So that'll be a lot of fun. We've also been at Bear Lake one last time and brought our dear little horses down to be closer to us here since we're not going to be up there to feed them. So it's been a good week in the neighborhood. It's been a good week in Lake Wobegon, Linda. (laughs) It has. There's always a lot of stuff going on, right? And uh, it's always fun and exciting. Our neighbors are uh, remodeling their house, so we spend most of the day listening to chainsaws and hammering. <laughs> Not chainsaws. Well, I don't know what all that noise is. But there's a lot of it. Just like, <laughs> just like you, there's always neighbors doing stuff, and uh, it's fun. It's always great to be back. And we're heading out uh, in a couple of days for, for New York City, where, where we have a son and and a daughter-in-law and two delightful little energetic kids. We're girding up for the uh, energy we're going to need. Anytime grandparents go to visit grandkids, you need to summon the best energy you've got. But for now... Well, wait, wait. You can't leave it there. We have our our youngest daughter and her new baby and husband coming to meet us in New York, and Sadie, who's in Boston, is coming down kind of a mini York. reunion, isn't and so we're it? having kind of a, a little reunion, a partial of reunion, girding your loins. That's exactly what we need to do. But we're so excited! We're going to have a lot of little grandchildren this weekend. We think, just a little personal note, that this is a nifty time to go to New York because the U.S. Open tennis is going on there this week, and we might. What do you think, Glenn? Do you think we might slip away and just watch a little tennis while we're back there? <laughs> I think you have tickets. Honey. There's, there's many there's metaphors. There's no way we can keep you away. There's many metaphors for parenting in in tennis, right? I mean, even the terms. You, you talk a lot about love in tennis. You talk a lot about uh, unforced errors. <laughs> there's a lot right. of a lot of family things going on there, but. Uh, Back to the point today. So we talked a little about the past, a little about the future, but today we're we're really focused on this business of entitlement. What we've decided we're gonna. This is a little sneak preview. Maybe some of you listening will be going to the conference today. But by oh. the way, if you don't go, you should definitely check out uh, Jeanette Herbert, the First Lady of Utah. Her website is called UpliftFamilies.org. And the neat thing about it is that our keynote and and other things going on at the conference today will be on that site, and you can watch them and and have them forever. So we're going to talk a little about entitlement and our view that the opposite of entitlement, the opposite of an entitlement attitude in a kid, uh, 
is, for want of a better word, grit, G-R-I-T. That's the, we're defining that today as the sort of absence of entitlement, the sort of, uh, the, the sort of antithesis of entitlement where instead of saying I deserve whatever I'm supposed to get from anyone, it's an attitude in a kid that says, I know how to work and I know how to get what I want and I know how to set goals and I know how to accomplish them. And you say, wait, what kind of kids are you talking about? We're talking about little kids. We think grit is something parents can consciously and deliberately start inbreeding. That's the wrong word. We think it's something they can start inculcating. That's the wrong word. We think it's something they can start building in their kids from a very young age. You know, it's kind of the the big buzzword in parenting right now. There's been so much research done on, you know, I don't know. Maybe not on, maybe not the buzzword in parenting, but behavioral scientists well, behavioral are science, sure talking a lot about oh, it. Oh, but these parents days. are talking about this too because it is the thing that so many children lack in a world of video games and so much entertainment that available to our families. It is so hard to get them right. back to the roots of, you know, what about work? What about working on things? Um, my family grew up, I mean, I grew up in a family of farmers for generations back. And so that is in my genes. I mean, I'd rather go out and pull weeds than almost anything I can think of. <laughs> but as Richard knows Wait, wait, so well, wait, wait, wait. Would you rather do it or do you just do it because it's sort of genetically... Uh you know, in, in, in your in you, because I don't see you laughing and smiling a lot when you're out there pulling weeds. Oh, honey, it gives you so much satisfaction, though. <laughs> I mean, really, the first half hour is fine, and then after that, it gets a little bit grueling, and then that's when the grit comes in. You got to just keep going, and that's that's what we're talking about. You know, when the going gets tough, you need some grit to really keep going. So, so let me wait. Let me ask you this, Linda. So you're saying that uh, in an agrarian society, in, in a farm sort of uh, live-off-the-earth paradigm, you don't think grit was a big problem. It was sort of built into the system. And you don't think entitlement existed when kids had to get up at 4 in the morning to milk the cows, right? Is that what you're saying? Uh, that is what I'm saying. And I, I think also we didn't have uh, depression. I mean, we probably probably there were people with depression and anxiety and so on. But when it was just you get up and do what you have to to survive, then it just wasn't so much, so much a big deal. Yeah, I think you're right. And then we've evolved into this society where, uh, you know, uh, well, let me just tell you this. We, we've we done surveys of parents uh, in, in the speaking audiences we've had and so on, and we've, we've put up on the screen the things we uh, get the most questions about, the things we think parents are most worried about, and it ranges from sibling rivalry to pornography to... Um, uh, substance abuse, just every sort of issue that we could think of. And guess which one always, when, when we say which is the biggest parenting problem, the one that always wins, and I'm not just talking about squeakers here, I'm talking about a majority, even though they've got eight or ten big problems to choose from, more than half of our audience say entitlement's the biggest problem. And by the way, the second biggest problem is excessive technology, which if you think about it, Linda, 
that's just a one form of entitlement, yeah, right? Kids who've got to have their screens, got to have their gadgets, got to be online, don't want to go out and play, don't want to talk to anyone, just want to sit there and go into that zombie-like state that you see kids in when when they're just staring at some screen and playing some video game. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's such a different world, isn't it? I mean, think back, for those of you who are listening, parents or grandparents, um, it really is an entirely different world. I, I grew up in such an idyllic, with such an amazing childhood, and I didn't realize it at the time. I just thought we were doing what everyone else was doing because I was in my little bubble. That's why you became such an idyllic woman. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But it really, when I look back on that, I just think, you know, childhood is almost like a foreign land. It's, you can hardly remember it. But you can. You can remember it because it is such a part of your fiber and you realize how different your childhood was than the childhood that your children and your grandchildren are having good point linda let's take let's pause there and take a brief break and when we come back let's get into what you can do about it how can you as a parent or a grandparent convert entitlement into grit we'll be right back Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. We're back. We are, and we're talking today about entitlement and the fact that if we create some plans uh, together as parents or grandparents, we can create some grit. We can turn that entitlement into a certain amounts of grit. Now that's a real conversion, isn't it? That's a conversion story. If you if you have a kid who's got entitlement, let's think of it as a disease. <laughs> you're going to cure. You're going to cure the disease of entitlement, and you're going to uh, create an attitude and a atmosphere in your home that inspires and teaches grit. Now this, you know, we've only got a, you know, half of a show left here, and so you may say, well, how are you going to do that in ten minutes? Well, we think really, and again, we could be accused of oversimplifying. That happens to us occasionally, but we think there's really two things that that sort of create this conversion process. One is going to surprise you. One's pretty obvious. One is you got to you got to teach your kids to work, and to do that, you've got to have some kind of a family economy where kids have responsibilities and they don't get an allowance. An allowance, as it's usually used, it means I'm going to allow you to use some of my money. Here's some money. It's allowance day. I'm going to give it to you. It's like a welfare payment in a lot of homes. And, and we're going to suggest that one way you teach grit is to get away from that and reward kids on some kind of a payday basis where what they get is proportionate to what they did, like the real world. So that's obvious, right, Linda? I mean, anyone right. who's going to teach and get away from entitlement has to have responsibility and, and people have to have jobs and tasks. The other, The second one, though, a lot of people wouldn't guess. And how... how how would you say it, Linda, the second answer to the entitlement problem? Um, the second answer would be 
to have a plan. Well, a family narrative. I mean, the, 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 you know, which a lot of people wouldn't identify with. But if your kids know where they came from, and you alluded to that in the first half, we call it a family narrative. That gives them grit. Well, that's just what I was going to say. <laughs> to have a plan to teach your kids about their ancestors, not only their ancestors, but about your own life, about your parents' life. This is really close to them. Um, and the, not only the good times you've had, but the hard times you've had and survived. Um, we have found from a, you know, a great writer, Bruce Feiler, who's our new champion, uh, he's done a lot of research on this and found that if kids know more about your life and, the, and your parents' life and the life of ancestors and the hard times they've had, for some reason they internalize that because it is their G- DNA. It's part of them. And they think, you know what, if they could survive that, I can do this. I can do this hard thing. It sounds interesting. I mean, you think there are a lot of ways to teach grit, and that would not be the first thing that popped into your mind. But it is pretty amazing what it does to kids to know about your life and the life of those who came before them. Well, it gives them an identity larger than themselves. So if you were to reduce this to sort of a mathematical formula, it might look something like this. You might say um, grit equals, um, well, let's start from the other end. Let's start from the other end. Knowing where you came from, having a family narrative, plus work and responsibility in the home equals grit as a replacement for entitlement. And, and, And I want you to really think about that if you're a parent or a grandparent. Think about how much difference those two basic things could make. Now, they're both a lot of work. If you're going to dig in and find ancestor stories and, and tell them to your children and maybe put them in a book and maybe create a family tree where they can see they're one of the branches and the parents are the trunk and the ancestors are the roots and they get pictures of all those and put them on that tree and and have kids really sort of know at least one or two stories about each of their grandparents, great-grandparents, even great-great-grandparents, that's a lot of work. And some people would think the only reason you'd do that is if you were a genealogy nut or if you were just, you know, sort of really curious yourself. But how about doing it for the motivation that it will help your kids know who they are and have a feeling that they can do hard things, that it's in their genes, that they're not entitled little babies who can only watch screens and play video games. And the the economy takes a lot of work. Believe me, the main reason that a lot of kids are entitled is because parents have just found it so much easier to just hand them 20 bucks each week and say, here's your allowance, I hope you learn how to manage money, when when they don't even perceive ownership of that allowance because they did nothing to earn it. It's a lot of work to set up a little system where each child has certain responsibilities and has to keep track of them and then gets paid on Saturday for which things he remembered to do. That's a lot of work. But keep in mind what the reward is. We're talking about having kids who possess guilt rather than, or excuse me, not guilt. That's a dangerous slip (laughs) of the tongue. Kids who possess grit rather than 
entitlement. Maybe that was a Freudian slip, Linda, because the way to do this is not by guilt. The way to do this is the opposite of that. The way to do this is by rewards and recognition. And by making it look fun. I mean, really, we don't want you to think you have to drop another big heavy load on your kids and you got to have grit now. I mean, you got to make it look fun. And there's some things that we're going to talk about tonight, but there's also a lot of ideas um, that you could come up with to make it look fun and interesting and exciting instead of, oh, no, Mom and Dad have got another plan. Well, and I, and I, you're right, Linda, and, and I tell you, we've had enough experience teaching parents to do this. I can tell you that there's, uh, we've never run across an example of a kid who had instituted a family economy in the family and could actually earn his own money, buy some of his own things. <coughs> Uh, we've never had a, a case where parents have said, oh, my kids, they want to go back to the allowance. They don't want to do the work anymore. Because when kids, when it's done right, <coughs> kids not only have more money to spend and more control over their finances and feel more independent, they also feel, they also feel like the parents respect them more. You know, like, look, you don't have to come and ask me every time you want money. You don't have to come and... And, uh, you know, you, you could actually, you, when next time you want something, just buy it because you'll have your own money. And, and families who do a good job of this have a family bank. The kids either have a checkbook or a way to get the money out of the bank when they need it. They have a way to put money in the bank after they've had their little payday and so on. And this is, this is an ego builder in a positive way, a positive sense of the word. For kids, and they can start on this kind of a system as young as seven or eight years old because they need to know how to add and keep track of their balance and so on. Now, you can find a lot of detail on how to set up this kind of a family economy if you just go on valuesparenting.com. You'll find a click or a, a place where you can go to uh, some some examples of family economies. But... It's not a one-size-fits-all. You'll want to set up in your home something that works for your kids, and the, and the principles of it are pretty simple. They earn their money. They have some purchase flexibility. They can buy some of their own stuff, and that you don't give them handouts. And there you go. You're moving away now from entitlement. Boy, it is so hard. And for some parents who grew up without anything and have struggled to, you know, make a nice, li- nice lifestyle for their children, it is so hard not to say, look, you know, I killed myself so that I could give my children whatever they want. We meet parents like that so often, and it just is destructive to the kids. It really is so important to quit giving them stuff and make them earn stuff if they want to do things. Now, we know we're talking to an audience who is especially good at doing just that because we know that a lot of people have worked hard at this for a long time, but if you are just handing out stuff to your kids, and and we're not saying be a Scrooge and never give them anything, but for the I want stuff, for the I want this, I want that, I want this, just make sure that you have a way that you can funnel it through them instead of you giving it to them. You know, when you think of it, Linda, that what you just uh, illustrated is a form of parental entitlement. I mean, when a parent says, hey, I've worked hard all my life, I'm entitled to give my kids whatever I want to give them. Yeah. Well, go ahead 
<laughs> but do it with the, with the fact in mind that you're you're going to harm them and give them an entitlement attitude. You know, it's so interesting that um, we were in New York uh, last year and we did uh, this presentation to a group, and there was um, a Jewish rabbi there, and he his congregation were really re- rich Russian. Jews who were in his congregation and he said I like this idea so much I gathered them all up and I told him you know just we're going to have a meeting I'm going to tell you how to make successful kids and he said I gave him this whole system this is how you do it and at the end they all just shook their heads and said nope we have killed ourselves to get to where we are we want our kids to have whatever they need and whatever they want whenever they want it. <laughs> well, so, and they, they'd failed to learn. I mean, this is a kind of a trite, simple way to say it. You give your kids more by giving them less. Right. And and and, and some people say, well, I don't, I wouldn't know how to set up that system. I just come on. It's actually pretty easy if you just say to yourself and say to your kids, do it in a family home evening or a meeting. Just say, hey. Would you kids like to have more spending money than you do now? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, would you like to make more of your purchase decisions than the, you do now and be able to buy things uh, for yourself? Well, sure. Well, okay, but there's a catch. We've got a lot of work to do in this house, and if mom's doing it all or if mom and dad are doing it all, you're not learning anything and you shouldn't get any of the money. I mean, kids can follow that logic. And the best jobs to give kids, by the way, are not cleaning their own room. The best jobs are areas of the house that all of you use, the living room, the hall, the back porch, the dishes, so that kids have, and, and you've got to make it clear and you've got to make it simple so each child knows exactly what he's supposed to do each day. If you've got behavioral problems that are bothering you, you can work those into the system. For example, I don't like the job of, getting you up and getting you ready for school every day and making sure you catch the bus. If you do that on your own without any assistance or nudging or nagging from me, then maybe that's worth a certain number of points in whatever system you set up, and it translates into money on payday. Now, now the biggest objection, parents say, oh, you shouldn't pay kids to do things they should be doing anyway. Come on. They have to do them anyway. This is just a bonus if they do them on their own initiative, and that's what inches them away from entitlement. Well, this is a gift for you, so you don't have to be nag, nag, nag all the time. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that kids lost their shoes just as they're running out the door to the bus. I mean, if they have it set out before, it's their responsibility. You don't have anything to do with it. It's pretty amazing how what happens when that changes. But, you know, we are just about out of time, and we do have to say that this conference tonight, if you're thinking, oh, yeah, let's go to this luau, it is sold out, totally sold out is at a Thanksgiving point. But there are four remote locations, so you can go see this live if you want. And I'm looking at this right now if you go to Uplift Families. Org. It'll show you the locations. There's one in Davis County in Layton, one in San Juan County in Blanding, one in Cache County in Logan, and one at Four Corners Carbon County in Price. So if you look that up, it gives the address, and you can go um, live, and, and we'll try to wave at you from remote. Well, and if you miss it all together, you can go to upliftfamilies.org and, and listen to it tomorrow or the next day or next week. But again... Just in closing, the simple formula is if you want to convert from entitlement to grit, 
work on two things, a family narrative so your kids know where they came from and what their identity is, and two, a family economy where they share the work. And that's about it, and we've been delighted to be with you, and join us next week, please, when we meet again on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. 